Today's show is brought to you by Bombas. Save 20% on your first order at www.getbombas.com slash holybackboard. Let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to pumping, cause it's real crazy time. Baby, Rip City's jumping now. All right, everybody, welcome to the 54th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Chile. Rip City, and I got my man Sage chilling, man. I'm I'm just happy to be doing this uh, episode 54. It's been it's been a crazy ride, and we've got a whole bunch of things to talk about. A lot of content for y'all this week, this holiday week. I mean, I can't believe it's already Thanksgiving. 2016 is winding down. Uh, we're recording a day early. You've got holiday plans. Um, I know I'll be out on the Oregon coast for work filming and. The Blazers did win, so it was a, a rough week for the Trailblazers, going one and three, complete one eighty of what we both predicted. Yeah, uh, three I and mean, one. I don't think you should win this week based on how poorly we they did. It's a push. To, it's a push. Okay, I, I I did not want to get edged out by that one extra optimistic. Oh wait, win. no, were you? Yeah. Did you predict four? I, no? Yeah, I was optimistic. I was oh not. no, I'm taking that dub. Sorry, oh. Sage. <laughs> just that one extra. That one extra thing you got right. All right, that's 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 whatever. <laughs> but before we get into the main course, uh, which is Trailblazers basketball, it is Thanksgiving coming up this week. We're recording a Sunday. It's about 9.47 here on the Best Coast. Sage, Thanksgiving is amazing. The food is delicious. What are your go-tos? Like, if you're going to somebody's house, they better have these three things Ooh. or you're dipping. If it's I'm like if 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 I'm going to someone who isn't related to me, I I'm just gonna shut up and eat the food. But if it's like a family gathering, we have like this famous stuffing that my grandpa did. Where uh, they, my whole family worked as chefs when they came to America, so it was like we got French baguettes, cut them up, put Chinese sausage, some fresh seafood. And then we fried it up, and that was the stuffing that we made. So that that that's my go-to grandpa's stuffing. So he's not here to make it, so the, the the kids have to sort of learn how to do it. But that man was a magic with in the kitchen. For me, it seems like every year it changes. It's been my mom's candy dams. It's been stuffing. It's been I make some pretty damn good mashed potatoes. Right now. It has to be probably my wife makes the best homemade cranberry sauce. And I used to not like cranberry sauce as a kid, probably because I only ate that canned jello shit. Yeah, yeah, feel that. But this stuff is legit made with real cranberries. And the best part about Thanksgiving is the leftovers. And what I do is I take a tortilla and I put all of the leftover Thanksgiving foods in there. You've got stuffing, potatoes, gravy, turkey, that cranberry sauce, some of those yams. I'm telling you, you think it might sound gross. Try it. Thanksgiving burritos, top 10 food of all time. Are there any desserts? Because I, I, I have to talk about the dessert we're going we're gonna to have. Is there I mean, any go-tos for you? Your, your boy makes a pretty bomb pumpkin cheesecake. Uh, the wife also helps out on that, but it is amazing. We also make um, a bourbon whipped cream to go with it. It's pretty damn good, and it's always highly recommended by my parents. Every time we have a, 
a holiday gathering. They're like, are you making the cheesecake? Like, yes, yes, mom, it, it is coming. Has it already been made or are you going to make it on the day of? No, I'll probably make it the day after Thanksgiving. We're doing th- two Thanksgivings this year, so All right. uh, we'll, do it, we'll do it Black Friday. Um, Chinese birthday cake. If you live in a place where there's a bunch of Chinese people and they ha- there's a bakery, you go to that, get it. What we do, it's basically sponge cake with taro cream and then fresh fruit topped with more sponge cake, taro cream, and fresh fruit. It's delicious. It's delightful. It's not too sweet. People in Portland, I know there's some Asians running around. If there's a Chinese bakery, you give them some business. I don't know any names. I should because I, I fuck with this dessert so heavy. But, yeah. Chinese birthday cake. My mom's birthday was like 20 days ago, so it it, it, it counts for a Thanksgiving meal, uh, dessert. Next time you're up in the Rose City, you are taking me to a Chinese spot that has that because it sounds amazing. Oh, it, it's, it, it's so good. I don't really fuck with baking that heavy, but I was willing to make it because I was craving it so bad. But yeah, the taro cream and the, the, the sponginess of the cake really sets it off. Shout out to all my Chinese bakers out there in the world. Do you know what also was delicious, Sage? The one when we had? The, the 129-109 victory this afternoon in Brooklyn against the, I, I would say the surprising Brooklyn Nets. They're I would now say the, scra- nine. the scrappy, the scrappy yeah, Brooklyn Nets. They're definitely playing hard for their new coach, uh, Kenny Atkinson. My but the Trailblazers, and I tweeted this out, for the first time all season, looked like last year's team in a sense of, they wanted it more, and they looked like they were playing with a chip on their shoulder. You could just tell the energy was was at another level, which is important, especially when you're playing in Brooklyn against uh, a likely lottery-bound team, 12.30 Pacific time. So you're going to have to charge your own batteries, uh, create your own energy, and they did that. And this is what can happen when the Trailblazers just play harder. Where no one is saying that they're not giving enough effort, but they obviously have a lot of weaknesses. They do not have a lot of front court scoring. They do not have a rim protector. When you do not have those two things and you're relying on going small and your backcourt doing the most of the business, you have to just play harder than the other team sometimes. I know it sounds crazy that in the NBA it comes down to effort, energy, but that's just what it is. And, you know, it took 14 games for the Trailblazers to finally realize, hey, you're not as good as you think. The second round might have been a bit of an illusion last year so let's let's time to kick it up a notch because that's how you got into that position last year there's more talent on this roster this year so let's not throw this year away i think for the three games the three l's we took usually damian lillard is unquestionably the best player on the court but jimmy butler outplayed him james harden sure outplayed him and anthony davis outplayed him i think that we have put a little too much pressure on Dame. The the quality of his play has gone down a lot in these these the the losing streak. I think having the team play better is going to help him in the long run. But I think Dame was just tired those games. I mean, his back has to be hurting from carrying all of Rip City. Yeah, he looks like he shot about 22 of 53 over the course of those, excuse me, 22 of 63 
over the course of those three games, you're talking about New Orleans, Houston, and Chicago. Chicago game, you could probably chalk it up as everybody was ice cold. I was at that game. Uh, we couldn't throw it in the ocean if we were standing on uh, uh, the the Oregon coast. Mm-hmm. It just it was awful. Man, I would love to have Robin Lopez back on this team, bro. That's what I kept seeing when there was just a brick wall around the hoop, and it was Taj and Robin Lopez just wreaking havoc on our small bigs. But you don't expect Dame to struggle against the Rockets, who really don't put up much effort effort defensively in the backcourt. And then, again, against the Pelicans, who didn't even have Drew Holiday starting. Yes, he came in off the bench, but I think it was. Damian Lillard is definitely an MVP candidate. I think he's easily an all-star, and he's a top-ten player in this league. But he's number one in minutes. CJ is third, and he knows at least through the, these first 14 games, that he had to score 30-plus for us to even be competitive. That takes a toll on you. I mean, we're seeing right now what is happening with Russell Westbrook. He's putting up triple-doubles, but their team's still not winning. We saw with Jordan before they got Phil Jackson. I think he was the MVP and scored 35 a night. They still did not get past those Pistons teams. You just need help, mm-hmm. uh, whether, it's in a, whether it's a coach, whether it's your teammates stepping up, whether it's a personnel change. Well, it looks like Portland's locked into Terry Stotts for a while, and the Blazers can't really make any moves until the 15th of December, uh, 15th of January, if you're talking Alan Crabb. So did you do any... Is, oh, sorry. Well, I'm saying this group is going to be with each other at least another month or two. Mm-hmm. So if you're Lillard, you almost have to just plead with your guys, I need you to start making some fucking shots because I cannot do it all by myself. Uh, it's a marathon. 82 games is a grind, and you need your teammates to lift you up it's nice when Dame can sit the entire fourth quarter uh, against the Brooklyn Nets and only register 28 points. He was efficient. 18 points, 8 of 14, 2 of 4 from deep, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. That's what you want against the Brooklyn Nets. You don't need him to go off for 40. You want him to rest the fourth quarter. Steph Curry rests the fourth quarter all the time. And that's how you're fresh in the playoffs. And that's when we're going to need Dame and CJ is in the postseason with those fresh legs. We can't be grinding them out in fucking November against the Brooklyn Nets. So thank God that didn't happen. I, 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 I knew we spent a shitload of money. I knew we did. But have you looked at how much money we've spent on our team? We're number two in cap. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, so I knew that, but taking a big look at it, this is the team we are stuck with until something huge happens where we can offload some of the salary. There's no way we can make a trade with this much cap holding us back. And I don't think we're going to have the flexibility in a few years because of the repeaters tax that I'm not going into, but it like for every dollar you make, you get taxed a buck 50. So, we're going to be we need to do some things to save some money and hopefully that if we make a trade it we we get some cap relief because we need to do some things to make this team excellent. Did you know, I'm really bad at math, so I, I, I tried to do the percentages, but did you know how much Evan Turner is our, uh, is cap wise? Did you ever, did, did you like ever 17 mil? Like percentage of the cap. I don't know what the, the exact cap is. I just know his cap figure. It's about 94.14 million. He is 17% of our team. The question I have with that is, we I think he'll never be worth the salary. 
I don't think any of the free agents. Yeah, seventeen percent of your team is fucking out outrageous, especially when if it's just the salary cap, you're twenty four percent. But for our team, of how much we spent, it's seventeen. What sal? If he just stayed at this level of play, how much? And I don't think he will uh, stay this low. How much are, would you be willing to pay him? What would not upset you as a fan of this team? I mean, he probably shouldn't be on the team if he was playing through 14 games. Mm -hmm. However, we knew it was going to take a long process. He is a different type of fit in Terry Stott's offense. He usually works with the ball a little bit more, not really good at spotting up in the corner. So it's it's a flip-flop, and I think we're seeing the fruits of those labors start to pay off as he grows in uh, continuity with the team. It was a fantastic performance for him against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, He looked amazing. But, I mean, it was it was Bogon or whatever. It, it wasn't who he was guarding, though. It was, you could tell, and he had a pep in his step. He had that confidence. He played 30 minutes, 19 points on just 12 shots. He had four assists, four rebounds, and most importantly, zero turnovers. And that's what you're going to see when Evan Turner gets confident in his game and in his role with the Trailblazers is he's going to realize he's a smaller guard and he's going to take him down to the baseline, hit that spin cycle, and get an easy layup. Or he's going to get a bigger defender on him you know, hit that little uh, jab step to the inside, jump back out and hit that mid-range shot, which is right in his his repertoire. This is the Evan Turner that I envisioned that I was really excited about when we signed. Do I expect him to get 19 points in 30 minutes on 12 shots every night? Of course not. But he is going to start to shoot around the 50% clip. Uh, I was reading message boards over the weekend and even some Celtic fans. Oh, God, man. That's risky business, my friend. They mentioned that they were not thrilled with Turner when they first signed him. However, over the course of his two seasons in Boston, they did not want to let him go. He was an integral part of that team. And we mentioned it last podcast, but even Isaiah Thomas was like, we miss Evan Turner. This guy is going to be fine. You just got to give him some time and let the confidence grow. Uh, Basketball players are human beings just like you and me. When we do something at our job and it's not working, we get into a funk. Sometimes it takes, you know, a little praise, a little bit of opportunity. Uh, sometimes it just, you need to see the ball go through the net. We saw it with Myers Leonard today, and we saw it with Evan Turner. He took smart shots, and if he can lead that bench unit, we are going to be a difficult team to beat. Uh, Portland outscores the Brooklyn bench 58-38. Uh, to 38. The Brooklyn bench was actually number one in the league at 44 points per game, so to have a 20-point advantage there was extremely huge. Um, Myers 14 and 11, four of six from deep, uh, AC finally looked like he was starting to get in rhythm, uh, 14 points, four of seven, uh, from the, the three point land, which was really nice, especially against Brooklyn because they were the ones that gave him that that huge ass contract. So this was the team I was so hyped about Mm. in in the preseason, the team I picked, you know, to finish third in the West 57 wins because I saw all of this talent. On the team, yes, we, we've talked about the holes that they have, but if they play hard, they have enough interchangeable pieces that Stotts can kind of manipulate and see. Okay, he's hot. I'm gonna go to him. And when the bench is clicking, you know what you're gonna get from Damon CJ. That's that's a given. But when you can go 10, 11 guys deep and they're all contributing, that was one of the best offensive sets I've seen all season. There was very minimal isolation basketball. The ball was on a string. It was. Dribble penetration, kick out, swing, 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 open three. And that is beautiful basketball. The one I, I got one last thing to say about Evan Turner. He got that money, but you can't blame him for getting that money. 
That's all on Neil O'Shea offering it. That contract is what it is because Neil saw the talent. You can't blame him for not picking up $72 million for five years. You can't also say it's $17 million and think of the old cap. Because exactly. It's that's, why, that's why I said percentage of the cap, not... That Evan Turner signing would be outrageous if it was the old cap. This is the new stuff. Talk about these uh, roster moves with the percentages of the cap. It's a lot easier for people to to grasp it. And Neil Wolshey was in the worst possible predicament coming into this summer. One, expectations are sky high. You had just went from being projected to win 26 to winning 44, surprising the Clippers, and giving the Warriors all they could handle in the second round. Two, the salary cap exploded. So you have three restricted free agents on your hands, uh, plus Gerald Henderson as an unrestricted free agent. That's the worst possible timing because that's how Brooklyn had so much money to offer Crab that, that max deal. You probably overpaid a little bit for Myers. I think, Mo, you got a pretty good steal, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and then, he's getting like eight or nine million. And this, this day is a bargain. For and what then he's produced. The last thing with, with the Trailblazers is no big free agent has ever came here. So the, the first one to come here will be the first one to come here because it just hasn't happened. There has not been that precedent. So I've seen a lot of you know negativity towards Neil O'Shea, but to be perfectly honest, what did you want him to do? There were no other free agents on the market. And if Evan Turner can play like this, yeah, he's overpaid, but so is Chandler Parsons. There were three games that they did take a yeah, loss, yeah, yeah. and Portland is a. I, I guess one thing, one way to look at this is as bad as the Trailblazers have played in our minds. Maybe it's expectations going a little bit too high. However, if you're saying oh, the Blazers are probably playing C C minus right now, at eight and seven, they're seventh place in the West, and a game out of fourth. So it is bunched up right now. It is super early. And the best news, we're a half game out of first in the Northwest Division. The Jazz are going to slump. I believe they've lost four straight. And Favors is hurt. They're still, they're dealing with injuries. Trey Lyles is playing like absolute garbage water. I think OKC's lost five of six. Did did they blow it against Indy? Yes, they lost. I swear to God I watched that game. Paul George-less. And CJ Miles. They had Glenn Robinson the third play like serious minutes so as bad as that seems as the Blazers are playing they've lost three straight they are the second worst defensive rating team in the NBA at 108.5 they give up the second most points per game uh, 112.4 they have no rim protector no front court scoring we're still in the thick of things nobody has really nobody who we didn't expect to run away in the west has ran away in the west so if you're a Blazer fan Take a sigh of relief. Just breathe easy. It is November. We are only in game 15 of 82. There are 67 more of these things left. And Portland's schedule is going to get tougher. It doesn't get easier until after spring break. So it's just going to have to be win when you can. Uh, and looking at the schedule uh, this, this week that we're going to discuss, the three losses, only one I was really upset that they, that they didn't win. And that was the Pelicans game, Sage. And... All right, let's talk about the Pelicans game. <sighs> that it, it was difficult to watch because that game it looked like they looked they looked completely frustrated in that game. So just based or eight and seventeen, it looked like the Pelicans were because I saw second, third, and fourth efforts on defense. 
I didn't see those second and third efforts on Blazers defense. There was only a few plays where I thought, oh, that was an easy, easy play for Dame to score. And almost always it was uh, Portland's own Terrence Jones messing it up. I want to see those second and third efforts consistently for the Blazers. The game was close. I mean, it was back and forth. I think the Pelicans had built like a six-point lead late in the second quarter. Within like the span of like 90 seconds, that lead just ballooned up to 13 and going to half. And then I think New Orleans opened the third with a three to push to 16. And the Blazers, whether you want to say it was on a back-to-back, frustrated they were down 16 to a team with two wins at the time, I don't know. But it looked like the Pelicans just wanted it more. You could watch Tim Frazier. He was oh, he was so hyped for that game. Um, of course he is. Like yeah. he and CJ are in Dame are they're all boys. He of course he wants to get the last laugh and say, "Why did you fools cut me? I can play basketball. Just you know, I, I should get minutes in this league." And I think he set the tone. And the Blazers, one, they missed a lot of shots that they would have hit. They shot thirty three of eighty eight, which is like thirty seven and a half percent. But on the other hand, you cannot let a Pelicans team that averages just 102.5 points per game, 20th best in the league, to get 113 on you. Well, that's you it. cannot let that happen. AD is a beast. There's no doubt in my mind that he's one of the top 10 players in the league. But even at 38, 9, and 6, you have to live with it because he's that good. What you can't live with if you're the Trailblazers is Drew Holiday in his debut running right down the lane getting 21 points. He ran you through us like... A knife going through butter. You can't no. let Terrence Jones get 15 points on 60% shooting. Uh, their bench had 36, 46 points. Yeah, like their bench seven. had 46. Mm-hmm. Our bench, let's look at this right here, 25. They outscored our bench 46 to 25. There's a lot of money on that Blazer bench, not a whole lot on that New Orleans bench. That can, that was That was the story of the game right there, was the bench scoring, because you know what AD is going to give you, but... You, if you're Portland, you can't go into this game and expect all of the all of those other non AD pels to go off. And our defense was abysmal that game. New Orleans shot 55 percent from from the field. You're not going to win when a team gets the, that many easy buckets. AD had a cup uh, a few tough jumpers, but other than that, it was they, they were going right down Broadway on us. And that was when I really really started to worry about this team. Not that it was the third straight loss, but you're looking at giving up 113 to the Pelicans. Uh, we gave up 113 to Chicago, and we gave up. Where's it at? Just erase from my memory. We gave up 126 to the Rockets, the second highest point total this year. Only the Warriors put up more on us. You are not going to win games when you allow teams to put 120 on you. It, it, it's all about the lack of effort for me. AD can go off, and that's fine. He do, he's done it almost every game I've seen. Terrence Jones going off was pretty... It was surprising for me as a fan of the Pelicans. He played he played well for Terrence Jones. It, it's a lack of effort for me that pissed me off. That game definitely felt like it was an effort-based game. It, New Orleans wanted it more, and they proved it. They, you could watch the game, and if you watch the plays... Portland fell into a lot of their tendencies last year when they were struggling. And it's guys going a lot of isolation basketball, quick shots, pull-ups without any sort of rhythm, trying to hit home runs 
instead of doubles and singles and chipping away at a lead, trying to get it all back at once. Uh, there was really no no desire on defense. They got Absolutely. every yeah. they got everything they wanted in the paint. And did you notice it, how many quick tip balls, defensive stops the Pelicans got by just having quick hands? Why can't the Blazers do that? We have athletes. We have Mason Plumlee, Alan Crabb, Evan Turner, Mo Harkless. How come we can't tip passes and make those plays? We're not a good defense. Why can't we be aggressive? I think that was a mental loss, and that makes it even more importantly, or more important, that they showed up the way they did in Brooklyn on the third game of the road trip. But that it is what it is. We will see the Pelicans later on <clears throat> on Black Friday, but hats off to them. They wanted it more. They played better. They executed well. Mm-hmm. That was a good victory for the Pelicans, and they they bounced back the the second night of a back to back at home, which is pretty rare. And I believe they beat the Hornets. Yeah. Yep. I fucking so hate those Blazers Pelican games. I fuck. I tweeted a lot because of nervous energy. I fucking hate those games. I was trying to text you, like, "What are you worried about? We are not coming back from this game." It was no. Over. The Pelicans love giving away leads. They may love it, but I could tell with that team that you could tell they they weren't mentally right for that game. Yep. All right. Well, the Houston game. So this is a game, and you won't hear me say this. Hardly ever. I only got to catch the last five minutes of that game. I had an extremely long day at work. Uh, I did not check Twitter. I did not check uh, my phone. Uh, I told Olga, I told you, hey, don't tell me the score. I'm going to come home and I'm going to watch it. So I get off of work with about five minutes left in the game. Or I get home with about five minutes left in the game. And Olga is like, are you sure you don't want to know the score? I'm like, oh, shit. Is it that bad? She's it's like, that bad. Yeah, it's that bad. So... I thanked her. She saved me for having to watch that that just just uh, dominance by the Houston Rockets right. and James Harden getting a triple double. I do know. I still have it on my DVR. I still plan to watch the first watch half. Watch the first half. That's what I per mean. your request. Yeah, because that's... Portland does fall in a hole and then they responded pretty well to tie it up. I believe mm. at sixty one at the break. But Sage, you were there. I watched that bitch um, for the first half. Via television, not yeah. actually. I watched that, and um, for the first quarter, I was pretty pleased with how we were playing defense. We closed out on uh, Rhino. We closed out on Eric Gordon. We watched out for the, the alley-oops to, uh, to uh, Clint Capella. Um, I think we stopped two alley-oops, and then the Houston Rockets got into a pretty big lead, but the Blazers made runs and tied it up at the break. I felt good at half saying, we can fight through adversity. This team can fight through adversity. But in the second half, no, we couldn't fight through adversity because Houston made a huge run. We panicked and took the Ellington like Andre. And I noticed that Alan Crabb started. It was probably in an attempt to match Houston's uh, small lineup. We should never go small against Houston. It plays right into their favor. Um and when you don't rebound, which Houston just killed us on the glass, 54 to 41, you cannot go small. We gave up 56 points in the paint. We need Ed Davis and Noah Vonley to start. Ryan Anderson is not a threat to take anybody off the dribble or post no, anybody. So, I mean, he's faster than Myers, and that's all I'll give to him for his lateral quickness. But what we need is another defender in there to help 
the guards on James Harden. I, I can live with Ryan Anderson shooting four, four of eight from the field. What I can't live with is James Harden getting 26 points, 14 assists, and 12 rebounds. Uh, he might be the MVP of the league right now. I think he has three triple doubles in his last six games. Um, I knew this one probably had blowout potential going into it. I was a little disappointed to see that's exactly what happened, especially after the Chicago performance. But I, I don't think this Houston team is a, just a really good matchup for us. No, it, it's probably one of the worst that we could possibly have. They go small, and we cannot beat them up inside by going big. Uh, it's really just going to be a, a shootout every time the two teams play. Uh, Portland's down 0-1 in the season series. Not really much more to talk about. We got we got our ass handed to them in, in the second half at the Toyota Center. First game of the week was also a, a complete dud. I was really excited to go to this mm-hmm. game. Chicago surprisingly i guess not surprisingly but they had a lot of away fans and i guess it still stems from jordan but um i know people in china that rock with the bulls because of jordan still so it doesn't surprise me that the moda center still has you know my god sage that start it was i think 8-0 with the first like 87 seconds um we got down by 21 points 35 to 14 in the first quarter and we never could get back into the game. We ended up losing 113 to 88. Uh, we played them even. I was telling Olga while I was watching the game with her because uh, we were in the arena that night. If we didn't get behind so early, we could have won that game because we were playing even with them. Each team had their runs. We would cut it to 16. They would push it up to like 28. In the end, it was a 25-point uh, victory for Chicago. But it was pretty back and forth and really well played. I really well played is a really bad no. point. But it was a, a decent performance from the second fourth quarter. That first quarter put them in a hole, and we had talked about that on the last podcast. They came out really slow against the Denver Nuggets, got behind 17 in the second quarter. You can turn things around against the Denver Nuggets. The Chicago Bulls are playing surprisingly good basketball this season, and they did not let Portland off the mat. And a big reason was Robin Lopez. Uh, he he looked, fucking shined against us. Which is pretty easy to do because we don't have anyone to stop him. But he played just super well. Backed Mason down, went to work with a hook shot, shot his mid-range jumper. Uh, Jimmy Butler did whatever he wanted. I don't know if he's going to be able to shoot like that for most of the season. I mean, he seemed like he was hitting every single mid-range jumper. But he did have 27, 12, and 5. He looked like a superstar on the night. Yeah, and, he looked better than Dan. But what you can't have happen is Jerry and Grant. First start of the year, I believe. Isn't he? Is he a second-year player? Yeah. From the Knicks, who they got in the Derrick Rose deal. Uh, he shoots almost 50%, gets 18 points, has five steals. Chicago, and you want to talk about effort. I don't know if it was an effort for Portland, but Chicago had more. They had more of an intensity, and I really saw it in Grant's play. He had quick hands. He made life pretty difficult for our guards. And You cannot let a second-year player do that to you. I don't know what it is about the Blazers early on in, in this season, but why are, they, why are they starting so slow? Is that just falling into bad habits that we're at home, we'll let the crowd get us going, or we think we're better than we are? Can you kind of explain that? I, I think it's a little a, B, a and B of what you said. It's it's a mix of a lot of things. I thought we lost connection a little bit. That fucked me up. But 
It's a mix of a lot of things, and we need to really take a look at ourselves, and we need to really try hard for 48 minutes. And it's all a lot of... Do you think Alfred Camino will solve our problems on defense? Fuck no. We yeah. were a shitty defensive team when he was in there, and that's not a knock against Chief. He'll make us a little bit better. Yeah. But we were not a good defense uh, while he played. Mm. That was the storyline, even when he was in the lineup. It's like, what's wrong with our defense? What's wrong with our offensive rebounding? And what's wrong with our second chance points? We started to get better second chance points. The Ed defense Davis is, is still. Yeah, Ed Davis is, is establishing some sort of Ed Davis-ness. Ed Davis is starting to look like last year's Ed Davis, which is a huge positive if you're a Trailblazer fan. But uh, Chief is still going to be a, a plus defender. But on the other hand, he's still going to be inconsistent as hell from three. You reference plus defenders. I know this is a team game. I know it's a team defense. I don't think Mason Plumlee is a positive or a neutral. I think he's just bad at defense. There was a play today where Trevor Booker went right by him. Yeah, just crossed him up, went right by him. A career backup. I don't think he's ever started, but looked like Derek Favors against him. It was fucking bananas so he's a negative i think dame if you're really generous is a neutral i think cj is a minus and then the the wings are good but you can't hide two or three defenders on your team you become if the new orleans lucky, pelicans you yeah if you become lucky, the new, you can hide one you you become the new orleans pelicans of last year when they had eric gordon and ryan anderson and tyreek evans we need some defensive help bad and i don't know how we Finagle a defensive stopper because of I how think Noah Vonley needs more minutes. But is he going to make up for all of Mason Plumlee's deficiencies on defense? I'm not saying he's the answer, but we need to see more of him because my biggest pet peeve with Terry Stotts' defense is he puts so much onus on the big man in that pick and roll scenario where either they're not telling them what to do correctly or the player's not making the right read. But we tr- purposely give up mid-range shots, which I think is fine. You don't if if you're looking at all three shot opportunities in the paint from three or mid-range, you would prefer the the defense the dumb, to, the dumb zone. You would prefer yeah, you but, would prefer them to shoot in mid-range. But if I'm Devin Booker and I'm coming off of a screen and Myers Leonard or Mason Plumley isn't going to come out and check me, and I've already got CJ McCollum at my backside, that is a wide-open look. That is a free throw. That is a layup for shooters in today's NBA, which I don't understand why we would want to give them those shots. Why I want to see more of Von Ley is because on that screen roll, he is actually hedging and coming out and putting up some form of resistance on the ball handler, putting a hand up. I want to see fucking hands up because Myers and Mason especially, they keep their hands down. They're both seven-footers. They need to get them up. Because it's just a wide open shot and it just it drives me bananas. And I think that is number one, why we are such a shitty defense is because we're so bad on the pick and roll. I think if we could tighten things up just a smidge on the pick and roll, we could live with not having a rim protector for obviously we want to get one in the future, but no team is, is perfect on defense. So you're always going to have some deficiencies. We could live with not having a true rim protector if we can just defend the pick and roll a little bit better. And I'm not talking about being, you know, the San Antonio Spurs on defense, but it, it's got to be better than just giving guys open shots. And it, it's not just Devin Booker. It's 
almost every single point guard. We can go to, to any game this this week, next week, next year. We can pick the guard that's going off because of how the defense plays. And that's just Darren Williams goes for 30 against us twice. That, that should explain how a bummy player can take advantage of our defense. Yeah, and I, I'm that, actually happy that pu- the public, not just you and I, are bitching about this defense. Because I mean, I've been doing this shit for about a year and a half now, or years. I'm happy that other people are starting to be upset with how we're playing defense, how there's lack of effort. But really, the pick and roll is what people were really upset about. And I, I, I am a huge fan of people being critical of their team. It doesn't make you a bad fan. It makes you realistic about everything. Not everything is rosy. I like the people that can see what's wrong and be able to verbalize it. So shout out to you if you actually see what's wrong and post about it on Twitter or ask what what we could do to help. Is it hedge a little? I think that would help immensely. Is it be more aggressive? I think that would help. There's things that we can do to change it, but is is the staff, is the scheme, are they going to do it or are they going to be stubborn for another year? I don't know. There's- there's talent in place. We're young. We have depth. We have length. We have athleticism. We are undersized in the backcourt, and we do not have a true rim protector. But Mason doesn't have to be a rim protector. I think he has the athletic ability to be a nice weak side shot blocker, shot blocking presence. Yeah, um, like Ed Dame, Davis. Dame busts his ass on defense. Yeah. Um, I think CJ could learn a little bit from Dame. Um, however, at this point, in, in if we're comparing career arcs, I think last year – uh, Dame was not a, a good defender. He has taken it to the next level. So let's give CJ some time. Mo Harkless has potential to be even better defender than what he already is. I think he's one of our better defenders right now. I think he's um, our second best defender. You know, you've got Aminu and you've got Vonley and Ed Davis who are really long and just I think those are the types of guys that we need to see a little bit more in, in the scheme of things because there are going to be nights when Portland shoots 30 35.8% what they did against Chicago. You should still be able to win once in a while when you score like 88 points. You cannot give up 113. You cannot expect to win shootouts every single night. That's not sustainable in the NBA. No team has ever won winning like 125, 120 games every game. It, it doesn't happen. So th- while we all can bitch about Evan Turner or how much money we spent on the bench this year or fuck, I don't know, whatever people want to bitch about these days. It, it comes down to defense. You have to play defense. You have to have a good, it, you have to have a good offense. We know that. It's a, a mixture of both. But yeah, it's, it's not all about so bad balanced. one way. Yeah. You cannot be so unbalanced. Um, and thankfully, we'll talk about the Brooklyn game a little bit more. There were seven straight possessions in that third quarter where we got to stop. Um, early on, it looked like it was going to be a back and forth, you know, Wild West shootout. And you'd be happy with a win like that. But at the same time, you're like, it's Brooklyn. That's... It should have been easier. Thankfully, in the second half, they turned it up a little bit higher. They got more um, hands in the air, steals. I think they just played better um, isolation defense, and they rebounded well. Uh, The bigs, Myers and Mason, really just went for every rebound and got them. Uh, Ed did his job. Uh, Mo did a nice job. Well, as a team, and I think it stems just from a mental state uh, of mind. You, You watched that game, and that was maybe one of the most animated benches I've seen. Yeah, of the Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. They usually are pretty animated, but it was every single play, and you could really feel like they needed this. They're going to need to carry this momentum 
And hopefully it will be a great week for the Trailblazers because they're going to see a lot of familiar foes um, on this four-game stretch. They finish up the road trip with the Knicks and the Cavs back-to-back on Tuesday-Wednesday. They get a a one-day off for Thanksgiving but are back at it on Black Friday against the Pelicans once again. And the Houston Rockets make their only appearance in Rip City uh, Sunday, November 27th. So this is not going to be an easy week for the Trailblazers. Uh, Kicking it off with the Knicks, it is going to be... A difficult matchup, I think, because the Knicks, they're 5-2 and two at home. There's no Afaru Kaminu yeah, to I muscle. Yeah, I would feel good if AFA was there. There's no Aminu to muscle Carmelo Anthony. Um, do you put Harkless on him? Can he get it done? I don't know how we stop Porzingis. Carmelo Anthony has had very slow starts to, in games, which would be a benefit for the Trailblazers, but Porzingis has really quick start to the first. So... I I'm, I don't know what you do with your one good defender. Do you put Harkless on Porzingis and then switch? No, that's too much size. Too much size. I mean, how do we stop? Is it Bonley time? Is it is it an Ed Davis Bonley day? I haven't seen Porzingis destroy the Blazers yet, so that's going to be one where and he might do it, but he I think he went, I think he skunked it. Um, yeah, he did last... not have a good game one. One of those games. I don't remember. No, he, he did not at all. So that's one of those things where I have a little bit of a, a biased look at a player. Yes, Porzingis is great and I'd love him on my team, but he hasn't kicked my ass yet. So I don't know exactly what's their uh, type of feeling. The guy I'm worried about is Courtney Lee, who all oh, Blazers fans. going off on us. You know he's a Blazer killer. Uh, I looked up his career splits. Obviously, he's been in the league since 0809, so the numbers won't really jump out at you points per game wise. It's 10.9 points per game against the Blazers, but that is the sixth most against any team. However, he shoots the three at over 49%, which is the the second best against any team, and his 51.4 percentage from the field is the best against any team. So he shoots effective and efficiently against uh, a Trailblazers defense, and we all remember how well he played in that playoff series when he was a, a Memphis Grizzly. So CJ's got his work cut out for him because you know Dame's going to be dealing with Derrick Rose. Courtney Lee worries me. He's just there's just yeah, always that, a, that is going to be the random player that kills us. I mean, I think again it's going to come down to the bench. Um, their their bench is just not good. No. To, to be to be frank, um, Portland did what they had to do against Brooklyn. They scored 58 against Brooklyn. If we can see that same production from a Myers, from an AC, from an Evan Turner, similar production in, in shot attempts and just getting guys wide open looks and getting people in rhythm early and often and not feeling like, oh, the starters have to come out to this really quick start so the bench can kind of suck it up and now even in the starters can save the skin. The bench needs to more than hold their own because I think that's where Portland can, can shine in this game. Because the Knicks have a solid starting mm. five, especially at home. And I think, Kyle, I think it's the, Kyle Quinn will be in the game to match up with Myers, so we won't get absolutely roasted on defense. I mean, what are some what are some things you're you're looking at in this game, Sage? I think it's defending well now that you got Courtney Lee in my mind, that that is a that is something I think we'll have to be dealing with. But I think it's Mello and Porzingis. How do we stop them? I mean I, I Mello's the one that worries me because he lives in the mid-range. Portland loves giving up mid-range buckets, and the Knicks as a team, they get over 20% of their points from the mid-range. That is third best in the league, so they definitely love it. Um, 
I think my X factor has got to be playing defense without fouling. I was a little surprised to see that a Knicks team with Carmelo Anthony and Derrick Rose only um, draw 19 fouls per game, which is 26th best in the league, and they only shoot 20 free throws a night. That's 27th worst in the league. So they are a team that's not going to get to the foul line. If you're a team on the road, which the Trailblazers will be, you've got to win that free throw battle take the crowd out of it and score while that, that clock is stopped. And so you're able to set your own rhythm. If, if we're giving these guys, you know, 25, 30 attempts at the line, it's going to be a long night because they're not a team that's usually drawing a lot of fouls. That actually is surprising with the, the, the players that they have, that they don't draw fouls. Um, maybe this is recency bias, how bad we played in the last three. Or, I mean, we played all right, Brooklyn, but, this this kind of worries me. This game, I have the same feeling as I did the the first Suns game. I predicted a win against better judgment. I can't go against what my my gut's telling me. The Knicks are, are are a good team at home. They have a lot of talent. We don't have a Minu. If we had a Minu, I would feel so much better about exactly. this game. Yeah. I know Dame is going to have a great game playing in the Garden and against Derrick Rose's defense. But. Uh, I just have a bad feeling about this one. I'm, I'm going to loss. I'll, I'm yeah, going to first. There's a part of me that says we turned it around in Brooklyn, but there's another part of me that says you cannot forget about that three-game losing streak, and you cannot forget that they turned it around against Brooklyn. I mean, let's let's be real. It's not a it's playoff team. It's not a good team. I mean, guess who the third most expensive player on that team is? Which team? Brooklyn. Jeremy Lin. No, he's the second. It's Trevor Booker. Okay. Nine mil. So it's not a it's not a talented team that we just beat. And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't be surprised if we won. I think it's gonna be a close game. But I'm at this point in the Blazer season where I need to see it more than once before I start believing in it. it, it against a very bad team. They play hard, but talent And I don't, I don't think, think Brooklyn's skilled. I want to see it against a skilled team. What we well, we're going to see it against the, the, the best team in the league, uh, the defending chat, the defending champs, excuse me, the Cleveland Cavaliers. We end the road trip. Uh, it'll be our, I believe, our fifth game in our fifth game in less than a week. So that's a tough trip. You start it Thursday in Houston. You end it Wednesday in Cleveland. Um, LeBron's going to play. And they have had five days off. So they will be rested and waiting for us. Which could go one of two ways. If Portland wins Didn't the night before, maybe last year, no, at home, yeah, at home. But if you're Portland, you can hope for a couple of things: one, that they're rusty from an odd layoff so early in the season, or two, that they're overlooking Portland. Portland's not playing super great right now, um, and there's always that tendency of elite teams to not get up for. I would say. Good teams. I don't think Portland's a great team yet. So hopefully they overlook us. But I think it's going to come down to who gets busy in the paint. Because neither of these teams like to live in the painted area. Uh, in fact, Cleveland's points in the paint are about 36, which is the third worst in the league. Uh, Portland is about 39, which is not too much better. They're uh, 26th best in the NBA. So neither team gets to the paint, which is surprising. The Cavaliers don't either when they have Kyrie Irving... Uh, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, LeBron James, just seems like they all drive constantly. But 
They don't. That's the bottom line. You cannot have the Trailblazers giving up 50-plus points in the paint to this this Cavs team, or it's going to be a rout. So which guard slash wing are you most scared of? Is it Kyrie, J.R., LeBron? It's not guards that I'm worried about. I think this is a rebounding game, and the Cavs are loaded with bangers on the boards. Um, We have got to keep Love and Thompson off the glass. Uh, Tristan Thompson is 11th in the league in rebounding at 10.3. Uh, sixth best in offensive rebounding, 3.3 a night. And then Kevin Love is back to the Minnesota Kevin Love. Yeah, he's playing rebound. fantastic. I mean, he's eighth in the league in boards at 11 a night. And overall, the Cavs are the fourth best rebounding team at 46.3. That does not bold well for us. Especially when you consider the Blazers give up the second most rebounds a night, almost 49. So you're looking at a recipe for disaster there. Um, I think that's going to be the story. You're going to look at this game and you're going to see how well did the Portland Trailblazers do offensively in the post or in the paint and defensively on the boards? The Cavs are so talented that if you could hold them to one possession, limit their second chance opportunities and not foul, like they are an amazing basketball team that you can't give them easy points at the line or extra opportunities. You have to limit their possessions in this game. You've kind of got to ugly it up a bit and just play really sound defense. If they hit a tough jump shot, that's fine, but don't foul. And if they do miss it, box out, get the rebound, and start your offense. So that's going to be key for me. Um, obviously, you could look at Kyrie Irving, too, if you're looking at the other positions on the floor as a, as a player to watch. Yeah. I think it's an Ed Davis start game, right? Because you need the his energy and his effort trying to get the boards. So I think he would start. I keep hearing Calabro and It's going to be tough for Ed, though. It's going to be tough for any of us, though. But but what I'm saying is, Mason, you're going to stick on Tristan Thompson, uh, probably. But you're going to ask Ed Davis to guard Kevin Love. That's not a great matchup. Oh, I would have switched it up. Yes. You would put Mason on Kevin Love? Yeah. But then Kevin Love is taking him all the way out in the perimeter. And your tallest players... I know Mason's not a great rim protector, but at least he's a body in there. I think Uh, that Ed Davis, in help side defense, would help them more than Mason Plumlee. I would agree I, with that. I've seen it before. So I, yeah. I would I would put Ed against Tristan and see who wants it more, and then put yeah. Mason on K-Love and see what happens. All right, you, you sold me there. You sold me there. But if Mason doesn't get it done, I think Portland could look to a guy like Myers Leonard to match the the spacing on the floor, or you could look at Noah Vonley, who's probably a better defender and can match Kevin Love. Or try to match him on the class. He, Noah's a big body who's got great length and still has a lot of bounce to his legs. But I think the matchup outside of inside, or out, yeah, outside of the guys down low, All right. watch Dame and Kyrie. Oh, that's going to be a fun those, battle. Both of those guys are playing great ball right now. Kyrie's putting up 24 points on 47 from the field, 47% shooting from the field, excuse me. Uh, an impressive 40% from three, dishing out five dimes. If we all, all Blazer fans remember that double nickel he put on us uh, during the 2015 season in Cleveland. So he has the ability to light us up. Dame's going to have Dame's going to have to make him work on defense too. When do you think LeBron will give up the reins of like the, the, the lead scorer to Kyrie? Do you think it'll never, be, never. Okay. I mean, not in any time soon because he shouldn't, he's LeBron James. He can still game seven of the finals. Give me the basketball and let's go to work. Until that stops being his M.O., then you can probably give it to Kyrie. But, you know, LeBron, he's going to be 32 in December. He's got a lot of miles on those legs, but he's still LeBron fucking James, and he's still the best player in the world. 
So if you could have one season, any player right now, you're taking LeBron James. Yeah. yeah. All of them. I don't know. I, I might take Jordan, but. No, no, no. I'm talking oh. current NBA. Class. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I, one I, season. I take Jordan or a good year of Larry Bird, but that's about it. I, I actually said some problematic things on the internet a few, I guess, weeks ago now. I don't think Magic Johnson would be a good NBA point guard at this day and age of basketball because of okay player. Oh, Magic would Magic transcended the game and he would be a beast in any era. A six six point guard with floor vision like that. People don't realize Magic could shoot the three. And this was in the day and age when you couldn't really double team or sag off and play zone. He played man to man defenses. I watched plenty of games uh, looking back of the Blazers and the Lakers in the playoff series and regular season games. Magic was decent from three when he had time to elevate it, but what he thrived in was that open court, up-tempo. And then if you want to put him in an offense, let him go to work in the post because we had to put Clyde fucking Drexler on him, and he was still seeing the defense and dropping dimes. So Magic, he could play at any era from now to 1950 to 2050. I mean, Magic was the man. Okay. And I don't like saying that because he's a Laker, but he's the greatest point guard of all time. I don't know about that. I think, I don't know, whatever. This is not the podcast to talk about that. But it can be. I mean, let, let's go, Sage. Gloves off. <laughs> Maybe Hot we'll do it. Let's do a bonus episode. I mean, hey, if we want to do a Thanksgiving hot takeoff, I, 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 I'm down. I'll, I'll, I'll think it's crazy shit. So what's your X factor for this Cavaliers game? Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> for, um... Yeah, reel you back in, buddy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I went off on a hot take tangent. Um, I think we're going to lose, but I think we need to at least stay with them in the rebounding aspect. Yeah, I actually have a better feeling about this game than the next game. I call it a gut feeling. I don't know why. I don't think we'll win, but I think it's going to come down to the last couple minutes of the game. Just feels like a game where we're going to hang around. We're going to hit enough big shots. We're going to get contributions, I feel like, from, from Alan Crabb. Probably from from maybe a guy like Myers. But I think we're going to hit enough shots to stay in the game. I think it's actually going to be a blessing that the Cavs have had five days off so they could be a little bit rusty. And we're you know just finishing up a road trip. So hopefully we want to finish the road trip on a high note um, heading into Thanksgiving Day. So I think it's going to be close. I think in the end, the better team is probably going to win, which is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are at home. Um, they... I think they are, yeah, they're six and one at home. They're they're one of the league's best. They have been since LeBron has suited up in, in the wine and gold. So it's just going to be a little bit too tall of of a task for this Trailblazers team at this point in the schedule. But if you're a fan and you're watching and Portland plays competitive and it is really close into the fourth quarter, you've got to take that and look at that as a positive as you head into uh, Black Friday with a rematch against your New Orleans Pelicans, Sage. Um, we already mentioned how they don't score a lot, but they put up 113 on us. But um, I, I think those stats are misleading because of how bad the rest of the Pelicans played. Like Langston picked it up. Etwan Moore averages like 16 now. I I think that you can't you can't assume that they they're gonna suck on offense because they actually have shooters. Andrew Holiday is back, and he's looked pretty fucking awesome the last few days. Yeah, my biggest question is, which team is going to have the energy in this game? We knew it was New Orleans when they played in Smoothie King Arena, but it is Black Friday. And it uh, is wh- in Portland. 
it is in Portland. Um, I know Chip Kelly back when he coached the Ducks wouldn't let the team eat turkey because of how sleepy as shit it makes you. I'm sure there's not a rule like that in the NBA, but is Portland going to be a little fat? Are they going to be you know a little leftover hungover so to speak? Um, you know, you know your probably boy got, is. probably got you know family in town. I mean, obviously it's a day for your family and that's where your focus should be. But are they going to be able to flip that switch and go into game mode because? This is the game they have to have. I mean, if we're predicting 0-2 yeah, so far this yeah. week, that will take us under 500. And Rip City's going to, you know, run around with their heads cut off because they don't know what to do. It's November, their team's under 500, and they spent all this money. So obviously, the season's over. Um, that's just the nature of the fan base here in Portland. But they can turn, you know, they can put the the panic button away. They can move it to another room at least with a good solid victory against. Um, an improving Pelican team. Um, obviously, they improved. They kicked our ass on, and then beat the on Thursday. Or, uh, legit. But Kemba looking, is killing it, by the way. But you're looking at the same things as we've talked about. Is the bench going to show up? The Pelicans went 46 and 25, or they outscored Portland 46 25 bench points. And can Dame and CJ match Tim Frazier's intensity? I think they will. I think you're going to look for Damon TJ to have monster nights. Remember, CJ put 37 on this team opening night. 39. Um, 39. Opening night. Um, so he can get buckets on the Pels. Uh, we know Dame can get buckets on anybody. I think they're going to want to win, obviously, if they're coming off of a two-game losing streak and they see their buddy Tim Frazier. They're going to realize what he did to them in New Orleans. They're going to want to reciprocate the favor. Uh, I think Portland's going to win. I think... They are the better team. They need to start asserting some dominance at home. Again, if you're a Blazer fan and you're worried about how this team looks, we are still 4-4 four and four on the road. I mean, that is really good. That's all you can ask for. The formula to winning 50 games is playing 500 ball on the road and getting 30 wins at home. Where Portland is struggling is at the Rose Garden. 4-3, and three, that's not acceptable at this point in the season. They need to start protecting their home court. And if they start doing that, they're playing well on the road. You're going to see a 50-win team. So let's not let's not go too crazy just yet. That Brooklyn win definitely helped. But they're going to need to start beating teams like the Pelicans. And I think they're going to need to do it a little bit more easily. Uh, we're going to need to see Dame start to rest a little bit more. He can't continue to do what he did against the Nuggets and the Kings and the Suns where he and CJ are playing like 40-plus minutes going in shootouts. Uh, we got to get some stops. We got to probably look to double team AD. I know the Pelicans shot the shit out of the basketball um, last Thursday, shooting 55%, but you've got to bet that guys like Terrence Jones and Dante Cunningham. Uh, you have to you have to take advantage of Terrence Jones's off-ball defense. If you watch that game, shit, was it Friday? It was Thursday. Thursday. If you watched him, he no, was, it was Friday. You're, I'm sorry, it was Friday. It was Friday. If you watched Terrence Jones play off-ball defense, which I unfortunately did for my eyeballs, you notice that he runs in circles trying to find the person that he's supposed to be guarding. I think we need to take care, uh, take advantage of that. And Langston Galloway's off-ball defense, which is atrocious as well, but I really like his on-ball. I think the key to the game is who's going to win the ball-handling battle. Drew, Tim Frazier, Etwan, or Dame, CJ, and uh, yeah, Dame, CJ. Yeah, so you those you talk about ball handling. So you're looking at turnovers. Which team is keeping their turnovers low, and which team is sharing the sugar, as Michael Holton likes to say, assists. 
Uh, we saw Portland against Brooklyn. That was one of the best offensive sets of basketball I've seen this team play in quite some time. Um, I want to see less isolation. I want to see more dribble penetration and kick. Uh, I really love seeing CJ work off the ball. I think when he and Dame are on the court at the same time, teams or the Blazers have a tendency to give one or the other the ball and let them create. Um, usually it's isolation. I like seeing more maneuvering from CJ off the ball. Dame is the better player, so he needs to have the ball in his hands. Mm. So we need to start working CJ off the ball a little bit more. He is a lights-out shooter. The guy can flat-out shoot the basketball. And then when Dame goes to the bench, CJ can be the primary creator. But I think there needs to almost be that, that rhythm. When both of them are in the game, they can't be so dependent on playing with the ball. They need to work without the ball. Like we, why are the Warriors so successful? Is because Steph and Clay just move nonstop when they don't have the basketball in their hands. It makes life a living nightmare for defenses, and they're catching and shooting, and the ball's moving from side to side. That's when the Blazers look really unbeatable, and uh, I think that's going to have to happen for them against the Pelicans. I've got a, a good victory for the Blazers. What do you got, bud? I think the Blazers are going to win based on what home arena it is, but I do want to say that the Pelicans have good guard defense, so it's good the, the, the our ball handlers are going to have to play a pretty damn good game. And I think Evan Turner might do well because of how short the Pelicans' defenders are unless they put Solomon Hill on him. The All other right. most disappointing wing player in the league. The last game that we're talking about this week is the Houston Rockets, uh, who are hot right now. They won five of their last seven. It is their only trip to Portland. Uh, they're already one up on the season series, so the only way, if Portland were to lose this game, to get the tiebreaker over the Rockets is to win the division. Um, I was a little surprised at the Rockets. I knew they would put up 109 points per game in Mike D'Antoni's uh, offense, which is third best in the league. They are surprisingly mediocre on defense, and I say that in the most kind <laughs> that, way that possible. The, that's like the best compliment you could give them. They are middle of the road. They, they're 18th best in the league. They gave up 104.9. I thought they would be almost 110 plus with the personnel and the coaching um, personality, so to speak. So they have done a good job of kind of turning a, a, a huge dumpster fire, which was the 2016 Rockets, and they've made them competitive. I think they're going to fight for a decent playoff position in the NBA if James Harden continues to carry that team i believe he leads the nba in assists per game he's a walking triple double both he and westbrook can get them on a nightly basis but you know we've talked about the rockets from the last um game where they just completely shellacked us they put up 126 on them i don't think we can go small i think we need to put somebody bigger on ryan anderson but what do you think about doing something about James Harden? We don't have Wesley Matthews. We don't even have Alfred Rukuminu. Um, Evan Turner might put up a fight, but if you're playing Turner heavy minutes, who knows how the offense works? Um, and if I you're playing him heavy why, minutes, one of your guards is your ball. Exactly. Was. This is why it is such a tough matchup for Portland because we have nobody to match up against James Harden. I think Terry Stotts really needs to get creative because if you ISO Dame or CJ on him, it's going to be a long night. I would personally try to trap him, maybe deny him the ball, make Beverly be the primary distributor. Uh, yes, that is his natural position, but the dude is leading the NBA in assists, and he's not turning the ball over a lot. I think that has a lot to do with their pace, which is a lot lower than expected. Yeah, That's definitely. fourth in the league. 
I mean, their pace, they're only getting about 97 possessions per game. I mean, I thought that I thought they'd be the, the maybe the top top two or three pace in the league with mm-hmm. Golden State, Houston, and maybe the, the Clippers um, running and gunning. So they are making very well executed decisions, and they're not stumbling over their own feet to do it. And I think that's a testament to you know James Harden buying into the system, Mike D'Antoni revitalizing his career. Um, I don't know if they're ever going to be a true threat to go deep in the playoffs, but what they are is they're a threat to kick your ass in any given night, and it's not a good matchup for the Blazers. I, I still think it's you got to stay out of the shooters. I mean, I if you watch the first half, we fought back. I want to see the fight back. Houston's going to make their run. We know this. I want to see if they can actually be able to fight through with some adversity. I think Houston wins, but I want to see them – Fight through adversity. I think this is a game where Portland has to win the free throw battle. Against the the Rockets, uh, it was pretty close. Houston shot 25. Portland shot 21. I think it needs to be reversed. Portland has to be a plus in the free throw to have a shot at this game. You cannot let James Harden live at the line. He's already an elite scorer. You've got to do what you can to take that aspect of his game away, as difficult as that is. And I don't want Portland to get caught up in a three-point shooting contest with this team. Uh, Houston lets it fly almost more than any team in the NBA. They're surrounded by shooters, but they are so vulnerable inside. I want Portland to do what they should have done against the Warriors. Don't settle for the jump shot. Pump fake, dribble drive, backdoor cut, pick and roll. Attack that basket. Clint Capella is a nice young big, but he shouldn't scare you. We've gone up against Rudy Gobert. We've gone up against DeAndre Jordan. We've gone up against Tyson Chandler, much better rim protectors, and we've had some success. I want to see what the Blazers did like they did against the Utah Jazz, and they just lived in that paint. Um, look for Damon CJ to go right at Harden and Beverly. Neither of them is a good defender. I think Beverly lives off of reputation um, and is coming off of a couple injuries. Harden definitely not. Eric if, you get, if you can get to the rim and you make their defense scramble, then you can start shooting those threes because they're off of the dribble penetration. And then you've got them all out of whack, and you can swing the ball around the perimeter, just like we saw against Brooklyn. But if it's one pass shoot or pull up three, and you're running up up and down the floor with Houston, you're going to get your ass kicked. Um, I think Portland will play much more competitive, but until I see a solution for them to defend James Harden, which is my X factor... um, I, I, I don't see Portland winning this game. Unfortunately, I have a one in three week, even though you're feeling pretty good against that win against Brooklyn. The Knicks are a tough matchup without Aminu. The Cavs are a tough matchup against anybody, especially in Cleveland. You you better protect you, you home. you got to win against the Pelicans. Pelicans. You have to beat the Pelicans. And right now, personnel-wise, the Rockets aren't the best matchup. So if, if you're a Blazer fan, one in three is not what you want. That would put them at about... 9-10 and 10 on the season. Definitely not where you want to be 19 games in, but you better pray for a 2-2 two and two week and at least to see competitive basketball because if we continue to get blown out, that's when you're going to start to hear the trade trade uh, wins really start to swirl. And um, I think Neil Shea probably already is going to make a move. The team just has a little bit too many deficiencies. But they got to stay competitive. And 
I, the Oregon Ducks are a perfect example of this. They were getting blown out right and left, but they put forth, I think, their best effort of the season, and the game plan was solid. They, they shocked Utah. Nobody had them beating Utah, um, especially in Salt Lake City. I am not saying the Blazers are the dumpster fire that the Oregon Ducks football is, but the, their defense has been just in shambles. So we need to see a little bit more effort like we did against Brooklyn. And I think as the season goes along, you're going to see Portland start to pick it up. I, I thought they would start out slow this year. And if you remember correctly, I think they were like 5-9 and nine at this point last year. So they're already above last year's pace. Portland will get hot. I just don't think it's going to be in November. So give it some time. If they go 1-3, and three, you can panic if we're getting blown out. But if they're close games, you've got to chalk it up to the schedule. What if it's 0-4? Oh, and four, you're definitely panicking. You're looking to, I mean, I'm already looking at mock drafts right now. You're looking at mock drafts. You're hanging onto that draft pick for dear life. You're, you're counting down the days to December 15th and January 15th when you can make a move. If, if Neil O'Shea's job is safe, and I have no reason to think it's not, you keep the pick. But if he's on the hot seat, you know that shit's getting traded. Because he's trying to fight for his job. But I think he's safe, but it... it we're not in the Blazers' office. We don't know what's happening. If Neil, if Neil's safe, we keep the pick, and that's a good thing. I think it, I think it's beneficial to have young talent getting put being put on our team anyway. But for how we're doing right now, we need to keep the pick. Unless a Paul George, DeMarcus Cousins, you know who we think that's on the table. You're not trading a first-round pick for... Omer Oshik to fix their defensive problems. And I think it's just going to be key for the Trailblazers to tread water. I think even if they're around 500, hopefully they're plus two or three games heading into the new year. That is a great sign because I'm looking at their upcoming schedule through 2016 and into 2017. It is difficult. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And if they can just steal a win here or there and beat the teams that they should, things will be fine. Everything will be all right for Rip City, and you just have to hope that once they start getting that, that home cooking going, they're going to be hot going into the playoffs. It's really easy to have knee-jerk reactions and want want this guy traded or this guy cut and this move to be made, but the testament of a great GM is to make calculated moves not based off of emotion, and that's why fans are fans and, and not general managers. Yes, I've wanted to make a trade midway through games before. It's not realistic. It's not 2K. Um I, I would panic if we went 0-4. There's no denying that, but I'm expecting 1-3 and three and would be over the moon if we somehow stole a game against the Knicks, Cavs, or Rockets. Have a wonderful and happy Thanksgiving, and we'll be back next week with the fire. Hopefully we won't be as depressed. Or So uh, have a wonderful time with your family, and we'll be back next week. And speaking of your family, you know, if they're bugging the shit out of you and you just oh. want to kind of get away, but you have to stay there, Put in some holy backboard on your phone. You know, sign up, get those uh, subscriptions, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, give us that five star rating. Or if you want to use SoundCloud and Stitcher, we're up there as well at Holy Backboard PDX. We're on social, we're on IG, we're on Twitter at Holy Backboard. And uh, if you want to send us an email, uh, Holy Backboard PDX at gmail.com. Uh, Sage, I think that about wraps it up. I would love to go two and two. Um, I think we can. I, I don't know that we will, but uh, that's why they play the games. And so everybody have a half, um, have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. And most importantly,
Go Trailblazers. Let's go!